You are listening to Welcome to the Other Side, and I'm your host, Meg Gluckman. This podcast is designed for moms after divorce. It's all about how you can move on from your divorce, how to co-parent without drama, and even how to start dating again when you're ready and have fun with it. I'll bring lots of tips and tricks and strategies for you to use every day. And I'll bring on some experts to share their wisdom on how you can create that juicy, rich, lush life post-divorce that you really want. You are not alone on your journey. There's so much we can share together. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Meg Gluckman, and I am super excited today to have a special guest on. I have Elise Bowie with me. Hi, Elise. Welcome to the pod. Thanks, Meg. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm so excited to be your first lawyer guest. That's kind of fun. (laughs) It's so fun. I realize I've had other lawyers on to ask them about other things. Mm-hmm. You know, their divorce story or their concepts around, I don't know, just self-discovery or reinventing themselves. But I've never had a divorce attorney on to ask all the questions that we all have about navigating divorce and co-parenting. And um, so I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, but to introduce you to our guests... Um, Will you first start and tell us a little bit about your background and um, who makes you a mom? What's life like for you now? Where where are you calling in from, quote unquote? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I'm Elise Bowie. I am a family law attorney in the Seattle area. I mean, we do have a virtual office, but we also do have an office in downtown Seattle. Um, and so I have um, been practicing law for a long time. I mean, I started eons ago in Louisiana. I mean, I'm an attorney from New Orleans. So I practice in New Orleans and then crazy old Hurricane Katrina hit. So we evacuated. Um, my family, we ended up going to Georgia. Then we moved to Minnesota. I got relicensed in Minnesota, started a practice in Minnesota, then got divorced, moved out to Seattle, had to get relicensed in Seattle. So I'm like one of those three bar exam girls and then started a practice out here in Washington. So we do all areas of family law as well as estate planning. I have been through my own divorce. I have four biological children, two-step We have, like I said, we've relocated. I mean, some of that was not our fault with Hurricane Katrina, but then some was where, you know, we made decisions to uh, relocate. My children are now all grown. So I'm an empty nester of these six um, young adult people all doing amazing things. And um, yet I still find myself co-parenting. Right now we live in Washington at the base of the Olympic National Forest on the Hood Canal. And right now, as I look out my window, I can see my ex-husband in his sailboat off our property because we just got back from a trip to Alaska and he spent his time here helping with one of our kids and dealing with our pets. So co-parenting continues even, you know, in this empty nest phase, which is kind of funny to me. Yeah, indefinitely. <laughs> for, 
I mean, once we're parents, we're parents for our entire lives. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. What inspired you? I know I've seen you talk about it a little bit, but I'm curious, like what inspired you to start your own practice out here in Seattle? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was going through my own divorce, which was in the Minnesota years, like it was time for me to be um, divorcing. I mean, my ex and I had realized we needed a divorce before Hurricane Katrina hit. And we were literally looking at, you know, splitting up and whatever. Then the hurricane hit, all all bets were off. I mean, we had to relocate our family, you know, and um, make things normal for our children. So we stayed together for five more years in the Minnesota area and kind of stabilized. Well, when I was going through that period, I mean, that was a, it was almost like a trial divorce in the sense of, I mean, we were not like tight, like, you know, a couple, but I mean, we lived in the same home, we raised these children and we, you know, had to reestablish ourselves. He's an attorney, I'm an attorney. We both had to get relicensed. And so I was spending all this time and energy learning, like, how do you do this? Like, how do you get along with somebody who, you know, half the time you're really not getting along with, but you're raising these children with. So, I mean, I was kind of in my private life becoming an expert on co-parenting. And I thought, oh, I need to like do this. Like, why would I go back to the kind of law I did before, which was insurance defense? And so I just started a family law practice in Minnesota and then went from there and have done super um, high conflict co-parenting work, either as a guardian ad litem, a parenting evaluator, or now even as a parenting coordinator. And so I tend to have a real, I think, love for educating people on what is possible. Because if if you had known me however many years ago, you would not have believed that I'd be looking at my ex's sailboat right now, you know, talking about dog care and, you know, who's picking up this kid or whatever. Um, but I mean, all things are possible, you know, with the right education and the right mindset and really being willing to put your kids front and center, not caught in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, that narrative and that picture right? Because we do want to believe that it can evolve and change. And sometimes in the beginning of our divorce and the beginning of co-parenting, it feels so hard, so overwhelming. And we're like, is this the way it's going to be for the next 20 years? Completely. I mean, When I think of the way it was at the beginning, I mean, I would send these emails. I mean, my kids used to say like they were the clackety clack. I was angry. You know, my fingers were just angry and and he was angry. And there was just so much, I mean, spite and resentment and just really negative emotions that were there. And I look at it now. I mean, in a lot of it, you know, for me, at least, and in my scenario, I mean, I had to change and do some things like, you know, he wasn't going to make changes. I mean, that was the whole reason I was getting divorced in the first place. And so when, you know, at the beginning, I still was fighting a lot of those things. And once I realized, I mean, you know, it's a long story, but I mean, he really wasn't the didn't do a lot to pay the bills that he was supposed to pay and do things. And I didn't have a a job at the time. I mean, I had stayed home with my kids for a good hunk of time as well. So I had to decide, like, I'm going to figure out how to earn circles around this guy, you know, and I had to then 
really put my mind to what I needed to do because somebody had to be the responsible financial parent for these children. And so that's what I did. And, you know, it has been, I mean, nothing that I expected. I mean, nobody could have told me 15 years ago that I would be doing what I'm doing now, you know, and that I would be getting along with my ex-husband like I do. I mean, nobody could have told me that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's, that's the dream. That's the dream that we all have. So I appreciate you sharing that so that we can yeah. just hold it out there. Um, you said I had to change. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. What, what did that really mean for you? For me, it was um, not blaming him at all for things anymore, like really turning that mirror and being like, this is my reality. Like, it didn't matter why my reality was my reality. Like, why was he not paying child support? Why was he, who cares? It, it almost, it just didn't matter. But what mattered was what I could change and what I could do. And so, I mean, I became a, I mean, I turned that mirror on myself hard and I really had to ask myself, like, I mean, it sounds so simple in some ways, but every day, like what step can I take today that will move my situation forward? And I mean, just take total control over my life and my existence and not, I mean, truly not blame him for anything. Like, Mm -hmm. because the power that I was handing over to him and continued to hand over after being in a bad marriage for 18 years and then continually handing over that power, dumb, like, hello, I need all that power, do you know? And so being able to own the things and, I mean, really do a lot of work internally, you know, for myself on, I mean, how do you truly own your life and and just not have a victim mindset about anything? You know, and to me, that's very empowering. I mean, I find it to be um, very empowering to realize that I control how I react to things. I control what I do. I control all the things, good, bad, and ugly. And so it's it's easier for me to fix me than anything else. It's the only thing I can do. Yeah, it is so empowering. It is so empowering to take that. I think at first folks might feel like, oh, like I'm just taking on more, right? Like I'm taking things off of the co-parent and I'm taking on more. But really, we're taking responsibility for the things that we have control over, right? We, We are actually living in this like false narrative when we think that they have control over how we feel or how our life is going. And when we actually own it, that's when things really start shifting. Oh, right? it's just, I mean, it's night and day shifting when you just don't even look to that other person for, I mean, anything like all of your feelings. I mean, and really for me, it was that simple. I don't even know what the framework is called. I mean, you probably do, but where you, you know, like you have thoughts and feelings and actions and you know what I mean? Like just that whole thought model of really understanding like how 
what thoughts are creating my feelings and you know how do i get all the way back to that thought and change it and right. and be like oh well i could think of it like this or i could think of it like this and one is powerful and one is just draining and it just hands all my power to other people yes Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Elise, I'm just like, I got the shivers and I got the chills. All right. Because to my listeners that have listened to a lot of episodes, we've talked about exactly that thought model, right? We talk about how our co-parents, the impact that they have is around the circumstances of our lives, right? They impact our facts. If somebody says they are going to show up you know, at 7 p.m., but they don't show up till 8. That's a fact. And then we have thoughts about those facts. And we decide what we're going to think about it. And what we think about it determines how we feel. And how we feel determines the actions and the behaviors that we do in our life, which determines the results that we create. It determines our bottom line about how our life is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much. That's where our that's where our power lies around our thoughts and feelings. We get to choose yeah. those with awareness. And I always like to say it's it's not something we're ever taught. Like it's there isn't a a class in school where you learn to take responsibility for your thoughts and feelings. We aren't. I think for so many folks, it is divorce. It is something really big like this that creates a shift where we are in so much pain and struggle and fear that we know something needs to be different. We don't want to stay in this. And and we've done exactly what you're talking about. Like we've tried to change the other person, right? We (laughs) keep thinking if only they will change, then I will feel better. Right. Right. And we're surprised when they don't. Right. Right. Even though they've like essentially given us a playbook of how they operate and we're and we just keep putting it aside and we're like, no, no, no. Like I'm still going to try, still going to try. Right. And when when we're finally ready to really put that aside and just take full responsibility and start changing the stories that we have. I love that you said, like, I'm going to earn circles around him. I love that so much. Right. Like that's totally different story. Right. And it's like, okay, so. I'm choosing, I'm going to earn circles around him. So how do I do that? Yeah. Right. What's the first step? What's, you know, what's the direction I need to head in? So powerful. I mean, it was life. I mean, I used to literally send the, you know, the emails like, you didn't pay child support this month. Like, where is, you know, this $2,800 or whatever. And, and I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to earn, you know, $2,800 times 10 and I'm not going to need your $2,800. And so, and it really just made all the difference because then all that energy I had to focus, I mean, was no more focused on being angry, upset, whatever. It was focused on, okay, how do I build a practice? What expertise do I need? How do I get clients? Like, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I mean, you know, obviously you don't have to be a lawyer to do that. Like, I mean, it's anything, any area. I mean, you could decide you're going to start a a lawn care business, you know, and how are you going to, you know, get a blower this week so that you can get everyone's leaves 
done well? And how are you going to get clients? And what car are you going to put all your equipment in? And do you know what I mean? Just whatever it is. Yeah. It's an attitude or a, a choice, a decision to be resourceful and to take responsibility for it. And I think if that was like, if we were to wave a magic wand and we, we could let everyone know, every woman, every mom going through a divorce, like, I want you to know this. My, my waving the magic wand, and I'm curious what your waving the magic wand would be, but mine would be, I want you to know that it's all figure outable. Yep. And that you are more creative, you are more resourceful, you are more resilient than you can even imagine. And no matter what the final documents look like, you can create the life that you want. They do not define the quality or, or the feelings that you're going to have in your life going forward. Completely. Oh, I mean, I just think that, I mean, all things are possible. Like it doesn't matter what is in your document. I don't care where you live. I don't care what your past has been. I mean, to me, divorce is this amazing opportunity to throw it all up in the air and transform your life in a way that you want. I mean, you get to be the creator of this. I literally used to dread Sundays. We had like, you know, my husband and I, you know, both were attorneys my ex-husband and Sundays was like the day, you know, we'd sometimes be together as a family. It was dreadful. We just had the most dreadful time. All, I mean, literally every Sunday was just dreadful. And when we divorced, I remember thinking Sunday is going to be my best day ever. Like I am going to love Sundays. So, I mean, I got to the point where I was like, I'd get up early. I'd make beignets as I'm like, you know, we're going to go do this. Beignets aren't expensive. There's like $2 a box on Amazon. You can get your beignet box. Do you know what I mean? Like it, we literally transformed Sundays though, to where they were just like fun. The kids and I had a ball on Sundays and that sounds so simple, but to have one day of the week that you're dreading, I mean, life is short. I'm not giving up one seventh of my life to some negativity And so literally flipping that and making where Sundays were just like my favorite day and I just couldn't wait to do fun things on Sundays. That was huge for me. Yeah. You know, but it's the beginning of that whole mindset of like, I get to decide what my life is going to look like now. Yeah. I love that so much. I think, and, and you can probably speak to this even more than I can. I think women going through a divorce there's so much fear around what the finances are going to look like, around what co-parenting is going to look like, around if the kids are going to be harmed by the divorce, around just like making ends meet, like all of this fear. Oh, yeah. And what we're talking about is like shifting and being able to start looking at what do I want to create? Yeah. But sometimes it's really hard because that fear is big. It's huge. I mean, I think though the fear part, I mean, again, fear to me 
again, we go back to those thoughts and feelings. When I ask myself and I find myself fearful, which obviously I do now, like there's times that, I mean, I look at, you know, paying payroll for my entire team and there's months that I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is really overwhelming. But you have to ask yourself, like, again, what is one step I can take that will move myself forward? I mean, it's this very simple thing. I mean, it's written by this guy. I think um, I'm going to forget his name. Oh, Jason Selk, I think is his name. It's called Relentless Solution Focused, I think is the name of the book. But it literally shows you and scientifically, like neuroscience wise, when your mind is caught up in fear, there's an actual spiral that's happening. You know, this fear thing where if you can break that spiral by doing what is one tiny step I can take that will move me in the right direction, your brain will then go, it'll go off its spiral and you'll start doing that. And if you keep asking yourself this question, what is one tiny step I can take? And I know it sounds really simple and simple, but it allows your brain to do the right thing and get out of its thing because fear, just like you were saying how big it is, it is just that. It is just thoughts. And if you can trick your brain into moving through the fear, I mean, you will be shocked at what you can accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have this funny analogy that's coming up. I'm reading a book out loud to my kids right now that's kind of an adventure tale. And there's talking dogs in it, of course. And um, they're very wise talking dogs. And so one of one of the um, mantras or philosophies that the talking dogs often share is always eat the food in front of you first. <laughs> And it's just like, it's like, just deal with one thing at a time. Just do that one thing, eat that food first, and then you can go look for other food. And so I'm like, yeah, do that one thing, do that one thing. And I think um, sometimes that one thing is having a conversation with a lawyer, right? And there is so much fear. I I mean, I folks, exactly to your point, folks have so many thoughts about what it means to have one conversation with a lawyer, right? They think that it's opening up the floodgates. It's like, we're going to be in this horrible court battle, right? But they're operating with so little information totally. about what their options are about what's typical, what's normal, what's right. what's kind of like common common sense kind of stuff. They're probably just basing their thoughts about what their divorce is going to look like or their co-parenting situation off of like the one or two friends that they know that got divorced and what their experiences were, right? And so I am often telling folks like, have one conversation. Oh, yeah. Make your list of all your crazy questions because none of them are crazy. Like you're not supposed to know any of this stuff. No. Right. And just have one conversation with a, a good attorney who can answer them for you. Oh, big time. I mean, getting over that. I mean, you bring up such a good point. I mean, getting over that initial fear of just gathering the information yeah. because 
I think there's a lot of the gathering stage that needs to happen. And I mean, I encourage clients, potential clients to talk to lots of lawyers because you need to find an attorney that you can gel with and that you're going to trust wholeheartedly because there are attorneys out there that'll just tell you what they they think they want you to say, you know, they'll just say whatever you need an attorney who's going to tell you the truth and who's going to give you the real deal and who is going to be blunt with you about things because you could have an unreasonable expectation and you don't want your attorney to not set you straight. I mean, you need to know the real deal. And I mean, I sometimes get told, you know, at least you're really blunt, like, you know, you'll just tell us whatever. And I'm like, that is what you pay me to do, to, to be blunt, to make sure you understand what your options are, because so there is the widest variety of what you can do. I mean, as a, depending on how you get along with your soon to be ex, I mean, y'all can kitchen table it and work out so many things where you might just need a lawyer tiny in the background, helping you, you know, do little tie up things. You might have a situation, though, where there's domestic violence and there's, you know, all this power and control dynamic and you need a lawyer who is right there, not allowing you to sign things that are actually going to harm you later on, you know, and because you're trying to just keep it all under control and keep the peace. And, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot of dynamics, but understanding what's possible. And then there's different ways to divorce. I mean, there's the collaborative divorce process where you'd never go to court. You both are agreeing. We are never stepping foot in court. We're going to use neutral professionals. And I mean, even if you're not using the collaborative process in full, I mean, I often recommend parts of the collaborative process to even my litigated clients because There's things like you could use a financial neutral and we could figure out what your finances are. We don't each need to go pay experts and go duke out money. I mean, usually there's a limited amount of money. We can figure it all out. There's documents, there's transparency. We can figure out what we need to figure out. There's so much that can be done, you know, if you have the right partner in an attorney and an attorney who does not think they know it all, that they will bring in experts as needed. Like maybe you need a child specialist. Maybe you have a child with special needs and things are not going well with the residential schedule back and forth. Or maybe you do need a financial neutral, or maybe you need a vocational person because maybe you haven't worked for years and we need to bring in and get some help about what is the best way for you to get back to work or do whatever I mean, so using your attorney as like the gateway to all the resources that are available and helping you build that team around you so that you can get through this process as successfully as possible. I mean, your attorney, I think, should be one of your first, you know, calls. I mean, somebody like you is great, but I know you probably likely deal with people more on the back end, you know, of where they've maybe gotten their divorce and they're looking for help. But I mean, there's just so much information. And one thing that I find comes up a lot, people will call you and they'll be like, I have to keep the home. Like, it's so important. You know, my kids, they have to have the home. And a lot of moms think that 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 is their big thing is they think somehow if they keep the the family home, it's going to be the end all be all of all positive things. And 
a lot of times that needs to be unpacked because I mean, sometimes they end up being very cash poor to keep a house that that might not be the wisest thing. There's a lot that goes into that. And I mean, a lot of times parents are projecting onto their children certain things about the home that really, I mean, many, many children are thrilled to go get a new home. And, you know, they're just like, yeah, you know, I'm getting a new room. And, but I mean, there's just all kinds of things that need to be talked about. I mean, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And just with that example of the home, what comes up for me too is, um, this idea of like making decisions in the best interest of the kids, which I have heard so many times and I see in so much co-parenting stuff and divorce stuff, and it has always confused me, right? Because what does that really mean? Yeah. You know, when we have two parties and they have different ideas of what's in the best interest of the kids, or we have these ideals, like you're saying around, oh, well, it's best to keep them in the family home. Like, is that in the best interest of the kid? Like, I don't know if, if that term or that phrase comes up for you and like, how, how do we unpack that? How do we decide what's in the best interest of the kids? It is, I mean, we could have a whole day discussion of that phrase. <laughs> um, that is, it, it, yeah. Um, it is complicated, very complicated. And I think that um, it is important for couples to look at some things very scientifically, like developmental stages of the children. Like there are some, you know, social science guideposts. And a lot of times, you know, men, and obviously I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but a lot of them haven't read all this child development, you know? And so there's a lot of times a disconnect about what is appropriate for children to handle from a change standpoint, you know, what's appropriate, like as far as being away from a parent, you know, what, what works for a six month old baby is not the same as for a three year old is not the same as for a seven year old as for a 15 year old. Do you know what I mean? Like there's real science around that. Also, you have to look at the temperament of your child and really understand the individual temperament because we can put on child development, but you could have a child with special needs that, and their temperament is very different that is going to play into this. Using a child specialist, I highly recommend if there is a difference in from the parent's perspective about what is in the best interest of the child, bringing on an expert, especially somebody who is knowledgeable about children and possibly can interview the children and get some data from the children and then bring that data to the parents. But from an expert standpoint, you know, so that it's neutral, it's not, you know, mom is saying this or dad is saying this. And um, I mean, it is complicated, but it is also, I think, really important for people to know Children are resilient as all get out. And it is the conflict that harms these kids. It is not, you know, because mom is over here cooking her organic broccoli and making sure they're, you know, sleeping in their, you know, lavender lace rooms and everything is wonderful. And dad is over here making his, you know, craft macaroni and cheese and they're swinging from light fixtures. Those kids are going to be okay, even in those different homes, assuming they're not having conflict that the children are exposed to. Children can do okay in their, 
you know, mac and cheese home and their organic broccoli home. I love that so much. And I feel like that circles us all the way back to to what we started talking about at the top, which was, um, or actually, I think we were talking about this before we start, we hit record. But we talked about how when our co-parent maybe isn't showing up in, in the way that our kids expect them to, and our kids have big feelings, you know, so say the parent, the co-parent says, I'll pick you up Saturday to do something and doesn't show up, right? And the idea that we can be with our kids and their big feelings and support them and love them on processing those big feelings, support them in communicating with their other parent about how they're feeling and what's going on for them. And it's okay. Our kids are going to be okay. If we are supporting them and they are feeling seen and heard in their big feelings, like they are resilient. They are not meant to go through childhood with no negative feelings. Like I I like the phrase, like nobody gets out of childhood, like unscarred. Like we, we all do. Like, it's just like part of it. Right. I don't know who this perfect kid is who like made it through without any problems. Right. No, we all, we all have stuff. Right. And I just appreciate you saying like, kids are so resilient. We, they really are. We are. They are wildly resilient. And I mean, I actually think, and again, us moms do it a lot. I mean, we feel so much guilt about a lot of times we're the ones who are often filing for divorce and we are the ones who feel this horrible guilt that we're ripping up, you know, the family. And we've, like you said, we've done our years of trying to change the other person and we've banged our head against the wall. Our heads are like actually distorted now. (laughs) And so, but it is, amazing to me to see what children can do. And I mean, again, there's social science that tells us children need one solid adult, one, one solid adult who is there meeting their emotional needs, helping them like being that mentor, that maximizer, that, you know, person. If you happen to have two, I mean, you are like in the top itty bitty percentile and it's so lucky, but it is not necessary. So if you have one co-parent who's not doing what they're supposed to do, you are building up in your child, assuming you can meet that child emotionally, help them work through that. You are building up so much emotional intelligence in that child by teaching them how do you deal with your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your you know, results, because it is the same thing. And I mean, you mentioned it before, like when we have plans and let's say our co-parent doesn't show up at seven o'clock. And so the fact is they didn't show up. But if we're, we know this, we're going to be planning for them not to show up. Like we're going to have the backup plan of, you know, what happens if they don't show up, but teaching that child how to deal with that, because that parent, like it or not, is their parent. It is their parent forever. If this person is disappointing them when they're four, they're likely going to be disappointing them when they're six, nine, 12, 15. Teaching that child to self-advocate and be resilient in their feelings, knowing their worth is not tied to that other parent's behavior, it's game-changing to positively and psychologically positively impact that child rather than it be negative. 
I mean, it's, I have watched my children flourish in understanding things and also be able to offer grace to that co-parent, like learning to accept people's strengths and weaknesses. I mean, we all have them. And so, I mean, I have told my children so many times, I'm like, why don't you call your dad? Like go to dinner at your dad. Your dad can fix the best dinners on the planet. Whereas I'm like burning things at home. I'm like, you know, go, go have an amazing meal with your dad. Talk about world politics for three hours. And I mean, get your dad's strengths and, you know, benefit from those. I mean, no, maybe you're not going to be spending the night at your dad's house every, you know, a, a lot. I mean, cause maybe that's not his strength. But I mean, really figuring that out and helping your children navigate that, I think it just builds such resilience. Mm, I love it. Yes, 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 yes. It's such a different story to tell ourselves too. When we when we talk about our kids going through the divorce and how it's going to build their emotional intelligence and it's going to build their resilience and it's going to build their ability to give others grace. It's It's a really yeah. different story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Elise, I want to talk to you for like the next five hours because <laughs> we only got through about a third of my questions, but that's all good. I really, really appreciate you spending the time and sharing your wisdom and your experience, both your personal experience and just your experience from talking to so many, so many parents over the years. I think this is a super helpful conversation and, um, I think there's lots, lots of gems for no matter where folks are in, in their process. Um, even if you're just supporting friends or you're supporting family oh. members that might be going through it and you're not going through it yourself, I think there's so much here. So listen back again. I'm going to listen back again because I think we just touched on so many, so many good nuggets. Um, if folks want to learn more about you and gain more of your wisdom. I know you share it widely in a lot of places. Um, what What's the best way for them to follow you? Um, I mean, you know, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, all the social media things. You could um, go to our website. Our website has a wealth of information and always feel like you can reach out. I mean, if you have questions for me, Specifically, I mean, I am usually really happy to hop on Zoom with people and talk to people about things because I am like you. I think really I have such a heart to educate and empower people where so that they can look at this as the beginning of kind of their greatest transformation rather than a life tragedy. Awesome. Thank you all for listening in. And I hope you got lots of lots of good, helpful info and ideas and concepts here. And we will see you again on the next episode. Thanks again, Elise. Thanks, Meg. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you would like more support in your life post-divorce or around co-parenting, or around dating after divorce, I encourage you to hop over to my website and check out the resources that I have there. I have a really awesome class called Fearless Co-Parenting that you can download. It's 45 minutes long and it is chuck full of tips and techniques and mindset work that you can apply to your co-parenting relationship today for things to start feeling easier. 
I also have a dating after divorce quiz. This will give you a chance to see, am I ready to start dating again? It's seven questions that you can easily answer in just a few minutes that will really pinpoint if you have everything aligned that you want to have aligned before you start dating. And finally, if you want one-on-one -on -one support, I have a summer special coaching package opportunity for you. It is six sessions of one-on-one -on -one private coaching support to help work on getting over your divorce, co-parenting struggles, or even dating after divorce. Hop on over to my website, meggluckman.com, and check out all those great resources. Thanks, y'all.